Simmons. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Welcome back to the Lunchtime Podcast Catch-Up, NBA special number one. Lunchtime, pod, uh, Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast is where two blokes that have known each other for 30-odd years get together and talk about everything to do with sport, lifestyle movies, and, and general stuff that blokes talk about. Today, we've got a really special podcast. It's our first of our NBA-centric podcasts, and we've uh, on the line from... Um, Philadelphia today, we've got a, a journalist from the Bucks County Courier in Mr. Tom Moore. With me as always is uh, is Scott. G'day, Scott. Hello, everyone. And I must admit, I'm pretty excited about today's podcast. Um, people who know me know I'm a mad NBA fan, and this is our first NBA podcast edition. Um, so we're going to go straight into bias because we're both Sixers fans. So Huge we're, we're going to have a, a very heavy Sixers theme podcast and talk about how they're going this year. And obviously, um, with the luncheon the other day, there was plenty of news about Embiid and Simmons. So we're going to have a chat to Tom Moore just to see what his thoughts were, what it was like being there, and and how he sees the uh, Sixers going this year. Yeah, we've got a really, um, uh, really fortunate to have uh, Tom from the states. Well done, Scotty, for getting this interview because he's in- incredibly insightful with uh, specifically with the, the Philadelphia 76ers. And there's some good conversation about um, Ben. Uh, Michael Fultz, we've, we, we cover um, Joel Embiid and, uh, and, and some really good points for the, um, for the podcast. So um, I guess we'll uh, get straight into it. Yeah, let's, um, let's get Tom on the line. Hello, Tom Moore. Hi, guys. How are you guys? How are you doing? Very, very good. We're really good, thanks. Uh, look, we actually um, love sort of having um, your call online. Uh, we've we've been following the uh, NBA here in Melbourne, Australia for quite some time. We've been following closely the Sixers uh, for about three, four years now. Um, obviously, the obvious connection is Ben Simmons and Brett Brown. Um, but we really wanted to talk uh, about where the Sixers are sort of heading this year, what the possibilities are. And obviously, with the luncheon uh, a couple of days ago, Probably the big story that came out of it, maybe not so in Australia, but in I'm sure in, in um, Sixers land was the the Embiid news, which is obviously the scrimmage five on five, not yet cleared. Can you sort of talk around that and how you viewed that being at the lunch? Yeah, well, he he underwent surgery March 24th um, to repair a torn meniscus, and you know the. The team sent out a release saying it was minor successful surgery and that, you know, he was expected to be back, you know, at full basketball activities in the summer. Well, it's six months later. The summer, it's not longer summer. It's fall now. And um, he still is not scrimmaging. So, you know, po- folks are wondering, are the Sixers being really cautious? Is, uh, you know, he, he's eligible for a contract extension worth more than a hundred million dollars over four years that would kick in in 2018. There are reports or rumblings that his agent doesn't want him to do anything until he gets an extension. Um, You know, there's a lot of sort of different scenarios. Did he have a setback, which team president Brian Colangelo said he didn't have a setback, but clearly, you know, that would seem to be a long time for, what we were told was a, you know, relatively minor procedure. So, and, you know, as good as, you know, uh, 
people think that Ben Simmons and Markel Fultz are going to be, and J.J. Redick is a shooter, and Dario Saric, et cetera, you know, in, there's nobody on this roster who brings what Embiid can bring at both ends, especially inside as an interior defender, yeah. intimidating shot blocker. So if he's not there or if he's limited, and it sounds like if he is able to play, to start, they start the season October 18th in Washington against the Wizards, he'll probably be on a minutes restriction, which is what he was last year. The 31 games he played, he started out at like 16 to 20, 24. I think he ended up at 28 minutes. So, you know, obviously that limits um, his effectiveness because you, if you're Brett Brown, you have to, all right, he played 14 minutes in the first half, so I only have 10 minutes in the second half if he's at 24. So it makes it you really have to monitor and you can't sort of adapt if things are going well. If you use minutes in the first half, now you, you lose them in the second half. So, you know, it makes things, you know, very difficult. And really, it, 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 it's uncertain. I mean, training camp starts uh, Tuesday. Um so we're kind of right on the verge here. And then the preseason starts October 4th with a home game against the Grizzlies. So, I mean, it, it's things are happening. It's right around the corner. So can I, um, can, can I just sure. say, if I'm a Sixers fan, I must be a little bit confused because um, on Instagram and Twitter, you probably around about the June time, if I'm right. And Bede's, you know, he's having videos of him doing fairly, I know it's by himself, but doing fairly physical workouts looking physically pretty good. And then he seemed to have a couple of months where that kind of, I guess, material or videos stopped. Um, and the, But then even last week he tweeted about, you know, um, sort of, I guess, proving people wrong. And so I must admit when I was reading, when I was listening to the, the luncheon and, and getting all the feedback, and I'm obviously reading your article, that I reckon there must be so much confusion about what's, what is actually happening to Joel. Um, cause it, it's just from afar, it seems like there's so many mixed messages. Yeah. That's what people don't know what to believe. Like, you know, um, Colangelo tried to say that the Sixers have taken a very, I think he used the term hyper conservative, which I assume means very conservative, but approach to his rehab. And, you know, they're, they're, you know, he's saying they're thinking big picture. They're not rushing them back for this game or that game or particular. They want them to be healthy, long-term, et cetera, et cetera. But, uh, you know, again, the way things, just the way it's going and things have not gone well with, uh, you know, Julio Okafor had a, a surgery on his right knee 18 months ago, that supposedly minor. He, his right knee still is not right. He is still not scrimmaging five on five. And yeah. we're, you know, he was limited last year, didn't finish the season, missed, I think, the last 11 games because of the knee. So, um, and, and I think that fans and so on, are they're not sure they're being told the whole story or they're getting parts of the truth. And, and I think that's what's really frustrating because there's a lot of optimism and hope. Um, I think Las Vegas, the odds makers have the Sixers around 40, 41 wins which, you know, they haven't won. Last year they won 28. In the three previous years, they won 19, 18, and 10. So, I mean, they, they haven't come anywhere near a, a, a playoff, you know, being in contention for one of the eight playoff spots in the Eastern Conference. Um, in You know, they haven't made it in six years. Yep. So people want to be optimistic, and they, they really like a lot of the things they've done, but they are frustrated and, as you said, a little confused by what's going on. Has um, Daniel Medina started as yet? When is that timeline sort of when he sort of takes over yeah. and gets the care of Joel? 
Yeah, Colangelo said he did start. I think he started earlier this week officially. Um, so um, obviously he'll be involved with Embiid, um, get his input. He apparently is in charge of all because they have the sports science people and all all, the, all that stuff. He apparently will be the ultimate. You know, everybody will answer to him in those different departments. Um, is the plan? Um, and you know, he worked for FC, FC Barcelona, I guess, and. Um, you know, uh, kind of consolidate things and, and make things cleaner and more efficient is the plan, according yeah. to Brian uh, Colangelo, anyway. So, I, I, Tom, I guess looking at the, the Joel um, situation and if it is, I mean, it, it sounds to me a little bit like it's a contractual thing. I think the cynic in me is saying maybe the, the manager might be playing a little bit of hardball here because... To, to give such a mixed message this late or this coming up that that quickly to the to the start of the season I, I just it screams to me of a of, of a mixed message with regards to, to contracts but if if it is a, a matter with the, uh, his physical condition and he is limited um Rashan Holmes I've seen some really great some really great highlights of him um, do you think he's got the ability to, to step up and become uh, a better player this year? Do you think, I mean, with, with Jalil Okafor's um, injury and Amir Johnson coming in, they could probably play a little bit there. Do you think Rashan's going to spend a lot more time in, in on the court? I mean, I think he has a chance. He has a chance. I think if you're looking in terms of fit-wise, um, he's very athletic and he fits well, at least offensively, in terms of running the floor, um, filling the lanes and so on. I still think he's a bit of a combo. He's playing mainly five out of necessity, but I think he's got some skills of a four man. Um, but, uh, you know, he, he's a very good weak, weak side shot blocker. And as he I is. said, he, he really, he, he's, he's not terrific when he's matched up him and a big center. Um, you know, he's not, you know, he's 6'10, 240 pounds. Yeah. He's not, you know, a dominant physical presence. So, and he's not a great rebounder. Um, but, you know, as I said, he, he's very, you know, switch-wise, they can switch if they run a pick-and-roll with a point guard and his guy, he can switch on a pick-and-roll and not, you know, generally get burned. He, he has pretty quick feet. He's pretty athletic. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's a good thing. But I would say, given the options, and it, it sounds like they're signing Chris Humphreys to a non-guaranteed contract, which also tells you perhaps that that's another hedge in case. Is that a hedge in case? And B can't play to have another guy who's been around. Yeah, he's a four or five, you know, kind of a banger type, like Amir Johnson, you know, similar type player to Amir Johnson. Um, I, I wonder. Also, I'm not really sure. Yeah, but I was going to say, yeah, I would say among the, the candidates now, I would think Holmes would be the leader for those backup minutes at the five position as, as we speak. I wonder also if that um, that recent um, acquisition is a little bit of a sign. That- Okafor may be getting a little bit of a bite from someone else from another team about a possible sort of trade. Or, yeah, I mean, they have 15 guaranteed contracts beforehand, and supposedly this is a non-guaranteed contract. But, um, you know, Humphreys would give them more, especially at the defensive end, than Okafor. That's been his issue offensively. You know, he's a very good low-post player. But defensively and rebounding and, and kind of switching on guys, he seems to really struggle. So, uh, you know, he, Brian Colangelo has been trying to trade him, you know, since the draft in 16. 
And I'm sure what he was offered in 16 is a lot more than what he was offered at the draft, you know, a few months ago. So maybe they're at the point where they're just going to cut bait and take what they can, whether it's a protected first round pick or whatever it is, perhaps they've reached that point. And sometimes it is the best where somebody goes somewhere new and gets a new start and maybe it fits better, works better, you know, you know, has, uh, just has a, has a better, uh, uh, has more success somewhere else, and yeah. we've probably reached that point with Okafor. So let's um, obviously with the other news at the luncheon, which is the positive news, which especially here in Australia, uh, was obviously the comments around Ben Simmons, and there was, <laughs> was I wasn't expecting comments like Usain Bolt and assassin, and and, uh, and a few. Yeah. Things like that. Uh, I don't think anyone is, was expecting that, but um, look. One observation for me, and I'm not sure if you feel the same way. Like, I look, I took my stepson to the Ben Simmons camp, which was locally here in Melbourne. Um, so I got up close and, and had a quick chat to, to Ben. But I noticed, um, I felt in the summer league, and this is my personal opinion, he may have bulked up a bit too much, where I thought he lost a bit of, of his pace. That was just my how I viewed it. Um, and it seems like they've sort of changed his body shape around to add a bit more quickness in, I guess, in the in the point guard position. So to me, I, I'm really encouraged by what the feedback uh, that Brett and, and Brian were were giving. Um, obviously, it'll be very interesting now, I guess, from next week on when we start, when people get to actually see him training and, and doing proper five on fives and at the at the camp. So what 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 did you come away with? Um, I guess from that whole luncheon that regards Ben. Yeah, um, I mean, Brown has been saying since, oh, probably February, I, I, you know, maybe March, that the more time he spent with Ben, with Ben missing his rookie season, you know, due to that fractured foot from training camp last year, that he was going to make him the point guard on offense. Um, and I guess he would, he you know, they would watch films, and he would ask Ben about situations, they would talk, and because he was out, um, you know, he could get a lot of input and, and and so on. I think he bulked up thinking he was going to be more of a four man, you know, when he came here. And I think that was originally the plan. Had he been healthy his rookie year, he probably would have been primarily a four, although he would have had the ball in his hand, some on offense, but he wouldn't have been a point guard, point forward, whatever you want to, you want to call it. But, you know, it was interesting too. Brett Brown said that, you know, at six ten, his sight lines are different than like TJ McConnell, who's six one because he's seen from a different, you know, he's so much taller. He can see over double teams. He can, you know, kind of, you know, better, better envision when guys are cutting, getting open and so on. Um, uh, and I think it's interesting that the plan is still for him to be the point guard on offense. And Brown clarified that particularly in the half court set. The idea is if, 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 Somebody gets a rebound and Fultz is on that side of the court. Give it to Fultz and let Fultz in transition or Ben. It doesn't matter per se. Either one can do it. But in the half court, he really wants Ben to run it because of how he sees the floors. And, and guys like playing with Ben because if they get open, he gets them the ball. It's a very basic thing. You know, it's yeah. the same thing at the you know, a local YMCA or community center, rec center, whatever it is. And that's why guys like playing with him because – He's, he's not a me guy in terms of he's not going to take 25 shots a game. You know, yeah. He's going to get other guys involved because that's the way he plays. And guys, uh, and I think Lonzo Ball, to be honest with you, 
has a lot of the same ideas and the way he plays as Ben from what I've seen of the two of them, that they're always, their head's always up, they're always looking, and the guy makes a cut, the ball's going to be there. And, um, you know, I, I think it'll be it'll really interesting. Now you have to, the thing is, as Brett noted too, it's been 20 years since the team made the playoffs with two rookies starting in the backcourt. Um, yeah. And that was Houston with Catino Mobley and Dickerson, you know, back in the, I guess, 97. So you have to realize that when you have two guys who haven't played, playing the one and two or whatever you want to call it on offense, that there are going to be mistakes and it's not going to be a steady progression. There's going to be, you know, uh, things are going to go well and then there may be games where they might have 12 combined turnovers or something like that. Things like that are going to happen. And I think Brett's trying to sort of make sure people realize that, you know, there's going to be some growing pains to an extent. It's not going to be... You know, when the Celtics acquired um, Kevin Garnett and, and uh, Ray Allen and went from, you know, uh, 24 wins to winning the title in one year, because these are polished, yeah, super they're, polished, they're experienced all-stars. These guys, yeah. you know, have a ton of ability and are probably going to be very, very good players. But it's going to take some time for them to get there on a consistent basis. Is there is there much concern that you've read from the Sixers about the first sort of five, six-week schedule? Because it looks... From what I can see, it looks very, very tough. Um, so, in lo- in light of that, I guess Fultz and Simmons, um, you have to have a little bit of concern about about how that might affect them straight away. Yeah, well, uh, they uh, in October, and November, um, which is the first, I guess, like five and a half weeks of the season, they have the most difficult schedule in the NBA based on last year's records. So, um, and the fact that they're so young, I mean, they play Houston twice, they play Golden State, you know, I mean, they, they play a lot of really good teams. Um, so I think, uh, you know, people, are, I think people are somewhat aware that like, if they're one and four after five games, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be a miserable season. It means that, yeah. um, you know, they're playing more experienced, um, perhaps more talent, at least at this moment, teams that are more NBA-ready. So uh, they, we haven't talked about it a lot with, with you know, Colangelo and, and Brown and the players. Um, but I think they're certainly cognizant of it um, and, you know, couching a little bit. Now, the other side of that is if things go well, um, their schedule in March and April is pretty favorable. A lot of conference teams and, you know, the Bulls and the Pacers and some of those teams that were playoff teams last year traded away their best players and probably yeah. you know, may not be playoff teams. So there is a chance that if things progress and obviously it beats healthy and, and everything that, you know, they could, they could, you know, potentially be pretty good in March and April. Yeah. Now, Tom, there's a lot of hype around Ben, obviously. And I guess from an Australian point of view to have the number one draft pick, um, going to a, a famous city, a basketball city like Philadelphia, um, there's a hell of a lot of uh, news coverage on Ben over here, and we see all of the standard sort of uh, uh, news coverage of the number one draft pick. What, what's it like in, in Philadelphia? How, how's he fitting into Philadelphia? Um, there, there's been a lot of great basketballs go, uh, basketball that's go through the 76ers, and um, it'd be interesting to hear from from somebody over there how Ben's fitting in in Philadelphia, because... It's a it's a special kind of place, Philadelphia, and and I I get the impression, and correct me if I'm wrong, that if the if the locals love you in Philadelphia, they'll love you forever. 
Um, and I'm just wondering how he's fitting in there. Yeah, I, I, it seems like uh, he's fitting in pretty well. I know he and uh, Joel uh, went to the NFL draft, which is the National Football League, which is the American football draft was in Philadelphia back in like the end of April, beginning of May. And it was uh, um, downtown and there was, you know, 80,000 people there and so on. And they were mingling and signing autographs and, and things like that. And, um, yeah, I think he'd spent a lot of time in the gym and he was over in Australia for that camp and the, the infamous Monday night pickup game that, uh, <laughs> that he played in, which which uh, is still interesting to me that he made his debut um, after being out all that time in an Australian, uh, you know, rec, rec league game. And, I wonder how much the Sixers knew about it beforehand. Interestingly, that, little... interestingly, Tom, that the place that he actually <laughs> played in couldn't possibly be any more out in the suburbs if you tried. Like that's, <laughs> that is a, the, it's like a high school gym somewhere. Um, and it was, it, it was totally amazing. A couple of his mates said, Ben, do you want to fill in? And a six foot ten number one draft pick in the NBA rolls out against the equivalent of me walking out onto the onto the onto the yeah. floor with him. So. Yeah, it it didn't look like in the minute or so of highlights I saw that there was a lot of resistance from whoever was guarding him. Did not seem to be, uh, you know, trying to draw a charge or anything. Shall we say? No, I, 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 I think. Matador. I the old there, Matador defense where let him just yeah, go right by the and, and defense, do whatever yeah. he's going to do. I think, there yeah, was, exactly. I think there was an understanding, I reckon, by both teams before the game. If he's going to play, uh, no one's allowed to touch him. Yeah, everybody just would have been watching the right. guy play yeah, basketball. I don't think there were any hard fouls. I, saw, I think I saw he took two free throws. So, yeah, I don't think they were like, all right, we're going to hack him and, put, and make him go to the line here. That seemed like that with the approach. I wonder if Colangelo and... Um, uh, and the rest of the Sixers were watching that game, just, oh, Ben, what are you doing? Because could you imagine if there had been a, a twisted ankle or something happened in that game? Exactly in the, right. The burbs of, of Eastern Melbourne. Uh, right, <laughs> for him right. to go back yeah, to Philadelphia, they'd yeah. never forgiven him. <laughs> Whereas we we loved it because oh, it's, a, it's a very, I guess, a strange thing to do, to have, you know... In our terms, you know, a, a, a mate, an old mate, to say, "Hey, can you fill in?" And to say, "Yeah, sure." <laughs> we, we've it, done it a million times ourselves. I mean, the, in the local leads when we were growing up playing basketball, you'd ring a mate because somebody was sick or couldn't make it. It just it never right. actually worked out to be the number one draft pick in the <laughs> <No>. NBA. <laughs> yeah, right. That, that is unusual. I'm thinking. So, um, one of the great, um, I guess, pickups was JJ Redick, and and I must admit, even as a Ben Simmons fan, it's like, oh. I couldn't have had. I couldn't be more excited Very for happy. Ben's sake that a guy like JJ Redick is coming across. Um, how is how is he going? I, from more, from my report, I heard he's come. Sounds like he's fully fit and ready to go. From what I understand, yeah, I think I think Embiid and Ben are the two guys that he'll he would help the most because Embiid, you know, he'll stretch the floor and he'll, you know stay at the three point line and make teams pay for double teaming etc and this kind of the same with ben when he has the ball and if he drives to the lane and they collapse that's a guy you can kick it out and the last three years in the nba he has the second highest percentage kyle corver's the only one better you know i think he's about 43 percent over the yeah. last three years and the sixers really have not had a consistently reliable three-point shooter um, you know, for a you know, really probably since Corver was here, when he, with Iverson, I mean, it's been quite a while. So I, I think in terms of spacing and you know helping to create uh, 
keep the lane open that it, you know, so you, you're not hammered by three guys when you drive in. You just have him, you know, sitting at that three point line waiting, and you know, for Ben, and then whether if you kick it into uh, Joel and double team him, he's a guy you kick it out to. Yeah. You knock down a three, and and then you know he can help other guys get better shots too. So I think he's, and you know, they paid him. He he will be the highest paid player in Sixers history in, in terms of a one year salary, twenty three million dollars. Wow! But the big thing was only one year. Ben. Um, um, Elton Brand was the highest. I looked it up. I think he's about seventeen point one. He made here because um, Iverson he got the max, but when he when he left here, the max was not that high yet. You know, the yeah. salary hadn't reached that point, or he would have. But I think he's a really good fit, and it, it's very rare that somebody want, wanted to come here, and he wanted to come here. Um, and I think that you know the, the teammates like it, and they realize how he can help. And, and I mean, I think the city appreciates it too because. This is the kind of guy they want to draw that may be a better guy, a long-term fit, you know, next year um, when, uh, you know, they still have some free agent uh, money available and before they have to, you know, extend Ben in in two years or two two and a half years, whenever it is, um, and Sarge, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, you know, it's unusual for Philly to have somebody, at least in this modern time, somebody really want to play here. They always want to get, they'll always play, you know, want to get play for the Spurs or the Lakers or, mm. you know, the Warriors, the elite, the elite teams or the, or the, you know, the cities that are, that are attractive in terms of weather and cult, you know, that, that kind of thing. So, and that must, yeah, and uh, that must be exciting for Philly. I mean, even with the Christmas day game and you've got the game in London, you've got so many games now on national TV in this in the um, coming year, it must feel like a, in some ways, a little bit of a different franchise. Yeah, it really does. I, I looked it up. It's been it had been since two thousand two since they were in Christmas, and that that's a long time. I mean, that's that, that's fifteen years, and um, you know, really since Larry Brown was the coach, they they really haven't had much success since he left to go to Detroit, and I guess it was two thousand and. Three, I want to say, you know, they kind of went through a lot of coaches and had some ups and downs. They were fortunate the one year with Doug Collins, where uh, you know they, they beat the Bulls as the eighth seed because Rose and Noah got hurt. But you know, had they been healthy, they weren't going to win that series. And they they've only won, I think it was, I think I believe that may be the only playoff series they've won yeah. since um, Brown left. So you know, there's been a lot of kind of you know. 10th seed, 12th seed, that kind of thing where they haven't been good enough to make the playoffs but aren't weren't bad enough to get a really high pick. And that's what, you know, Sam Hinkie came in and, you know, kind of, you know, got rid of Drew Holiday, who had a big extension kicking in, went young and tried to try to develop drafted talent regardless of position, try to get a, you know, get a star, acquire stars and kind of go from there. Yep. Look, we won't keep you too long. But just a, a couple more plays. We just wanted to quickly go over. We could talk to you about this for the next 45 minutes, half an hour. Though. <laughs> <laughs> but look, um, this, is, this is a very quick question because you were at the luncheon. Did they actually give a status update about 515 with Covington? Was he Is he cleared? You know, that's a good question. There was so much about me, about Embiid. It started with Embiid and kind of ended with Embiid and all that. Um, and mentioned Okafor had just played three on three for the first time, um, and obviously Ben's full five on five, et cetera. 
honestly, I don't, I don't believe now you mentioned it, that, you know, that that was, um, that that came up with everything because there was so much focus on, uh, you yeah. know, Joel and Ben and some on Markel. Uh, but yeah, probably should have asked that, but I was too busy. <laughs> they served this, well, this, yeah. this Italian place. They, they it... served meatballs as an appetizer <laughs> with cheese inside and they were delicious. <laughs> nice. Cheese cheese and a meatball. That that can take anybody's concentration. On a a quick side note, I went to Philly uh, not only two or three years ago, and and I and obviously the the whole cheesecake cheesesteak thing. And I said I've got to try one. And I was like, I wanted to come back to the city. Ah, Tom, I love (laughs) it. I love a Philly cheesesteak. I must say, (laughs) yeah, they really they really and there's a lot of places that make them very very well, and it's a unique experience. um, But the to me, the roll is the key. That this yeah. fresh, you know, okay. warm roll. Oh my gosh! Good to hear. Good to hear. Okay. Now, um, just a quick one. When uh, at the, when I was at the um, Ben Simmons camp, he was mentioning um, how much Jared Bayless had been a great mentor to him, and and how he sees him having a good year. He's sort of the little bit uh, look as a fan, like as a little bit the forgotten man. And he's had quite a big. Mm-hmm. He's quite a big addition all of a sudden, as far as at least a backup guard of, of like quality. Yeah, I think he's. I think if he's healthy, I mean, he only played three games last year because of the wrist ligament and ended up needing surgery. But he's six three, but he can play both guard positions. And two years ago, he shot over forty percent from three. So I think he's got a decent chance, and he, and he's got some experience to be the first guard off the bench. Now, the question is, is he going to be a one? Is he going to be a two? Is he going to be a combo or whatever? I don't know. But I think he has a chance, you know, to get some regular minutes with that second unit. You know, Dario Saric, I would assume, would be, you know, uh, an early sub, maybe Justin Anderson. And then I'm not sure if if it's Stauskas or TJ McConnell or whatever, plus uh, probably Holmes anyway. But, yeah, I, I think... And Colangelo brought him up again, and and I I think he um, I think he could really help them, and he really and, that, and that's exactly right. He is kind of forgotten with all the other guys they have in the mix, uh, Luau Cabarro, and yeah. now they have Corkmans, and yeah. you know there's a there's a lot of guys kind of in that mix, a lot of wing players, and you know guys that most of them played last year, and some started that may not be in the rotation because it's hard to play more than ten guys. Um, so it, you know, camp should be very competitive and, you know, there's, uh, you know, there's spots on the line in terms of, you know, regular minutes and that you, usually that means, uh, that benefits everybody because you have to, you know, everybody has to play better because otherwise you're sitting next to Brett, you know, three seats down from Brett Brown the whole game. All right. So again, we, we really appreciate you, your time today, Tom, um, and talking to us. Um, we're, we're talking to Tom Moore from, from Bucks County in, in Philadelphia, uh, in the U.S. Just to, to finish off the, the conversation today, the number one draft pick, Markel Fultz. Um, how's he going? What, what, what do you see um, for, for the next year from Markel? And, and maybe just a, a quick chat about um, his defense. Yeah, uh, the plan is for him to defend point guards. That, that is the plan, the, the plan according to that Brett Brown reiterated the other day at the luncheon. Um, I think, you know, he's used to having the ball in his hands. It'll be interesting to see. He has played some off the ball, but he's going to be off the ball a fair amount, at least in the half-court offense. How will he adapt to that as kind of maybe a secondary ball handler with Ben being the primary ball handler? I could see, like, Ben, you know, running the point mostly, let's say, for the first six minutes, 
And then let's say Ben goes out of the game and let's say Bayless comes in for him or, or you know, just for example. Now maybe Fultz becomes the point guard and Bayless then is the two guard. You know, that's one thing this team has is they have a lot of guys who can play more than one position. They have a lot of versatility. Yeah, great. Brett Brown really likes that because he can go small, he can go big. Um, he, he finally has those pieces where he can kind of dictate things maybe or you know, match up with another team better in terms of experience, in terms of size, in terms of quickness, or whatever it is. Um, so, yeah, I mean, 19, I, I do expect there to be some six or seven turnover nights and, you know, yeah. some three for 15 shooting nights. That's going to happen. But I think the big thing is, you know, how does he work with Ben? Um, how do they complement Embiid and, and Covington and, you know, Reddick and Sarge and those other guys? And, um, you would expect, yeah, and I, yeah. you know, Go ahead, I'm sorry. Oh, sorry, I was only going to say, you expect faults with the pick-and-roll kind of situations will probably, uh, and getting to the basket, is probably he's going to be strengths that, that Ben will sort of look for, I guess. Yeah, he he does like to go to the basket. He is very athletic. He's got a good you know, spin move, and, and he's got a lot of energy. Um, uh, he, the, he only played three games in the summer league, but one thing I did like about Fultz was he was relatively under control. You know, I thought his first game was against Boston, and that was the team that had the first pick that traded it away to the Sixers. I thought he's going to come out playing 100 miles an hour, have all these turnovers, and he really did not. He was seemed relatively reserved um, out in Utah, and I was surprised by that. So yeah. um, that, that's a good indication, I think. I think his jumper still needs to be a little more consistent, probably, you know, three-pointer and so on. Yeah. Um, uh, but I think, you know, I think it's, I think it's going to be a very interesting year. And I think, um, you know, the, the big thing is whether they make the playoffs or not, it, they start and figure out who works best with whom, what kind of rotation, um, who's going to be a long-term fit. And then next year, as I said, if they could sign a more significant free agent or maybe even sign Reddick for another year, potentially at a little, at a lower number, yeah. possibly, um, um, you know, kind of see what happens and, and go from there. I mean, they could have a high, a high draft pick next year, you know, too, depending how things shake out. So, um, yeah, it's, after some, you know, lean years on the court, at least, other than January of last year when they were 10-5, and five, um, you know, they, they have a chance to win, you know, 30-plus games, shall we say. I don't think yeah. that's unfair to say. And be, at least be in the conversation for a playoff spot, uh, yes. which is it. You know, would be a big step in the right direction. I think. I think most people think if 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 somehow MB can play at least sixty games, then they've got a real big shot to get to that kind of forty game mark, um, and and hope maybe even a, a surprise a little people, surprise a few people with um, with what they can do after that. So I was even looking at the Eastern Conference today, and and just sort of looking at your your Cavs, Boston Wizards, sort of Raptors, Bucks, just to sort of see where they fit. Um, I can I, I can see them personally finishing around the seventh kind of spot um but so much depends on health um and Embiid's such a huge factor on 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 how the whole team operates so it's look it's an exciting year um but look we won't keep you too long thank you so much tom for for joining us um it's it's great to have a uh an insider a local insider in philly to actually um have a great conversation and yeah i know i know our listeners are really going to enjoy this um tom so we uh we really appreciate your time today and uh hopefully we can talk to you again soon sure thanks a lot guys thanks very much thanks so much tom
Okay, thank you. Have, have, have a great day. You too. Have a good evening over to your side. <laughs> yeah, right, right. That's exactly. Yeah, it's quarter to nine in the evening here. So, uh, yeah, and thank, yeah, thanks. Uh, my Twitter handle is at Tom Moore Philly. Yeah, absolutely. We'll uh, we'll get that out on our side as well. I just thought of that. I, it just changed because I was only doing the Sixers before, and now I'm writing columns on other sports and stuff too. Um, so that's why it changed from T Moore Seventy Sixers to Tom Moore Philly. Tom Moore Philly. Got right. that. All right. When mm-hmm. we all right. Great. Thank you so much, Tom. We so much appreciate it. That was Tom Moore from Bucks County, north of Philadelphia. What a actual absolute treat that was. I must admit, um, when I travelled to Philly not long ago, it's, it's right up there as one of my all-time favourite cities I went to. Uh, myself and my wife went through all Hershey and Lancaster, all through Pennsylvania towns. But um, I loved going through um, uh, Philly downtown and some of the old historical roads and... and um, and look, we're a sucker for 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 movies. So doing the old Rocky oh, steps, so yeah, it's the uh, it's the the land of Iverson and Barclays. And so it's can you believe a, so. a kid from the albeit a tall skinny kid from the eastern suburbs of Melbourne is uh, one of the most hyped basketballers in America and is about to run out in Philly. So that was a really good insight from a bloke that's got a lot of experience. Yes. Um, in sports journalism, full stop, but more specifically with um, with Philly and the 76ers. So, uh, well done, Scotty, for getting him on the podcast. <laughs> well done. So, look, I hope everyone sort of locally liked that. Um, if you're from Philly or from the US just listening in, um, thanks for, for joining us, guys. Love to have um, any sort of feedback. Us. We're the lunchtime catch-up. Um, so, look, if, welcome to... We're going to do a few more NBA um, sessions in what what we call our summer because we're mainly summer down people here. don't know us so we mainly do our Australian rules football kind of um, I guess podcast but that season's ending next week and and our team unfortunately didn't make it to our Super Bowl yep so uh, we're we're now going into other sports we want to do an NFL podcast so I'm sure there's a few Eagles fans that may be interested but um, yeah so we're going to do a few US sports podcasts so feel free to subscribe or, or check us out um, always welcome. Uh, we love our get us, US. Uh, get us on email. Get us on email at the lunchtime catchup at gmail.com. We're getting plenty of emails coming through there with some great feedback from you guys. So we'd absolutely love to hear, of, uh, hear from our cousins over in the US on the subject. Can you understand us? Um, would we need to talk slower? Um, but uh, yeah, get us through there. Um, and we, we uh, find us on iTunes and SoundCloud. We'd really love you to subscribe. Um, and provide some comments. That'd be great. Yeah, send a review through. We're 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 mad Philly fans, so we listen to the uh, rights to Ricky Sanchez and and Eric Bodner's Sixers Beat podcast. So we we love them all. So um, absolutely. So uh, it's fun to actually do a Sixers podcast from here in Melbourne, Australia, and uh, just discuss how they're going to go this year. And I, I I generally think they'll probably finish around seventh or sixth. So I think it's a really exciting year, and I'm just hoping Embiid is is fine. So yeah. Thanks for everyone joining us. Um, yes, indeed. Hope to for everyone to if you can tune in for our next podcast, that'd be great. Um, we love doing this, and um, outside it's twenty five and sunny, so we're about to go outside and have and uh, absolutely, and we might even shoot some hoops after that. Yes, brilliant. So, yes. All right, guys, thank you very much, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. Catch you, everyone.